in a world, the year 1983. Hello everyone, Bri the Movie Guy here, and on today's podcast, we are continuing Remake Month with one of the most infamous remakes of all time, the 1983 Al Pacino classic, Scarface. We're going to dive into a new world today where Al Pacino was never Tony Montana. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In a World Films What If Podcast. Bry the Movie Guy here, and we are not joined by Cody. Cody had to get some surgery, so that's okay because we have past special guest Jason Watson, my brother, in the building. What's up, Jason? Hey, how's it going, bro? Oh, you know, we're we're doing what we're doing, <laughs> but this is remake month. Mm-hmm. In remake month, we are focusing on films that were obviously remade. Last week, we did Ghostbusters Answer the Call with an all-male cast starring Seth Rogen. This week, we are going into the 40th anniversary route for uh, our movie. It is the 1983 gangster classic Scarface. This year, on December 9th, it will be 40 years old. And you know what blew my mind about that when I realized that? What's that? I remember us obsessively trying to find... The, the DVD before we all we had to do was wait for the 20th anniversary yep. DVD that we already knew was coming. Everyone knew it was coming, the definitive back, edition, whatever. But back then, like DVDs were like very, very expensive. They were expensive, and we were we kept going to uh, what was it, video outlet. Yeah. We always went to video outlet, and we were we were so obsessed with trying to get this movie, and it just seemed impossible. <laughs> And then we finally found it one day. Yep. Yeah. And it was, like, right before the much better upscaled, like, remastered version came out. Yeah, but I don't agree with those special features that were on there. Those were kind of terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. I'm going to delve into that. <laughs> if you've seen them, you know. But we are diving into a universe of what if. And the what if here is what if Al Pacino never stepped into the role of Anthony Montana. See what I did there? Because let's face it. Something weird about this movie is like it's about Cubans, but all the Cubans are Italian. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird to me. Yeah. So Well no, no, what's his name? The guy that played Manny, he was actually He's the only Cuban. Cuban. Yeah. And he was just like casted because he had the yeah. look, which he does. Like you can't yeah. put anyone else but him into the role of Manny. Exactly. I mean you had Al Pacino, you had Robert Loja, you had uh who else that was uh, trying to Oh, don't get me started about his casting. He's what what's his name? Lopez? Yeah. He's not Mexican. What? This is problematic. It's problematic today, but it was very problematic that the guy from Big is supposed to be slinging coke and married to Michelle Pfeiffer. I doubt that. I didn't buy either of that. No, who would? Anyway, so this is the plot as it follows. After getting a green card in exchange for assassinating a Cuban government official, Tony Montana, played by Al Pacino in in our universe, stakes a claim on the drug trade in Miami, viciously murdering anyone who stands in his way. Tony eventually becomes the biggest drug lord in the state, controlling nearly all the cocaine that comes through Miami. But increased pressure from the police, wars with Colombian drug cartels, and his own drug-fueled paranoia serve to fuel the flames of his eventual downfall. 
think that sums up three hours. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I have this section I call personal history, but we already kind of dwelled into it. But it's funny because this is one of those movies that during my my movie-esque persona that we know today as the movie guy yeah. um, started with films like Boondock Saints, <laughs> Scarface, and of course Taxi Driver. Oh, yeah. And that is literally, literally the recipe of... I want to be Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> and I'm just going to write something, and I'm going to make it, and I'm going to be huge. That is every, I think it's the number one movie nerd startup kit of, like, I'm going to be a movie uh, cinephile, a cinephile, and I'm going to say my favorite movies are The Boondock Saints and Scarface. Talk about how, uh, you know, all all that artsy shit that people throw into it, But I, I and I'm not, like, criticizing these movies by the way because i love all three of those movies but scarface like okay this is this is uh how do i put this this was my favorite movie so much when i started getting really big into movies that my aim username was scarface <laughs> uh 5927, I believe. I remember that. Yeah. I, I, I went by Scarface, even though I have no scar on my... I actually have a scar on my head and obviously my hand and other parts of my body, but, like, uh, yeah, never had a scar directly on my face to back that up, but still used it. Um, and also... But it was, like, weird, because, like, I had... I just... It had this weird reputation behind it, and I forgot how I even got super into it. But all I know is when the DVD was... I think we watched it on cable one day. I think that might be my first foray into it. No, it was that DVD I got from um, a Video Outlet. Really? Yeah. Because I feel like I was obsessed with it before then, but... Um, I think we were just obsessed... We were obsessed with that and, like, Animal House at that time. Animal House. Oh, God. Because Universal, episode. like, sold those anniversaries at that time huge. That's why we got into yeah. them, like, the big anniversaries. But, yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, Man, I was just so obsessed with this movie, and I wouldn't even put it in my top... I'm going to say, I wouldn't even put it in my top 30. That says something. But, I again, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I still love this movie. It's just, like, I feel like I've grown a lot, and there's much better films than Scarface out there. Oh, yeah, Even definitely. though this is great, but... Like, it's a great... Yeah, it's a, it's but a great it's, movie. But, like I said, it's like that really, like, you're you're coming into like movies and it's like it's these weird films that are just really easy to get into like boondocks like it's a very independent film but it's shot like you don't see vigilante justice shot the way that boondock saints is because instead of a and it's weird because i feel like in those movies he is telling us while also showing us which is a really interesting thing because a lot of movies go with the either they'll show you and not and not say anything about it or they'll tell you and not show you and that's M. Night Shyamalan for you he'll tell you but he won't show you yeah but uh but with that it was like we were getting William Defoe's character and stuff like that so it's not a bad these aren't bad movies because like this movie is really incredible like it's it really I feel like encapsulates a certain part of history with drugs cocaine you know like that was an 80s thing and like so that 
really cements it into a thing. But um, I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those. Well, we're about to get into it. Uh, but first, we're jumping into DeLorean. It's a brand new segment I came <laughs> up with where we go back to the weekend it came out and we're going to look at uh, some reviews. We're going to talk a little bit about reviews, what it earned, and all that stuff. So we're jumping into DeLorean. We're going back to December 9th, 1983. And the original release of Scarface was met with a negative critical response and was criticized for its violence and profanity language. Yep, it bombed, actually. It bombed. Yep. The New York Magazine defined it as an empty, bullying, and overblown B-movie. Writers Kurt Vonnegut, I said that wrong, and John Irving were among those who walked out in disgust after the notorious chainsaw scene. At the middle of the film, Scorsese turned to Bauer and told him, you guys are great, but be prepared, because they're going to hate it in Hollywood. Because it's about them. Scorsese's always like... He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. And also, like, a weird thing is... um, What was it? Spielberg was brought into what was Star Wars. Yeah. He was brought into Star Wars mm-hmm. along with, like, Brian De Palma and all them because they were, like, this weird clique. They were the new kids of Hollywood, Francis Ford Coppola and all them. Yep. And Coppola and them said Star Wars was going to bomb. It was going to do nothing. But Spielberg was the one that said, this is going to be a hit. This is something. So you got Scorsese and Spielberg who are just these two huge names in cinema that always prove and back up their shit. And, uh, like... I, I'm waiting for a Tarantino thing like this. Yeah. You don't hear about that, but Tarantino is kind of a weird case. Well, the problem it. is, is uh, how I've seen people who have taken their inspiration from those guys, you know, Spielberg, De Palma, Scorsese, and they go kind of their own route. And it feels like people who try to imitate Tarantino all do the same formula. It's characters that obsessively talk about movies or they'll make random movie references or, you know, they'll be eating fast food, you know, like, you know, kind of how Tarantino has his characters doing shit. It's like, instead of them taking inspiration from, you know, these masterminds, they want to, you know, copy Tarantino, who's also a mastermind in his own good right. And so I think that's why, you know, there will never be another Tarantino, but, you know, there's guys that can be known as the next Spielberg because they did their own thing, but they took inspiration from that. They weren't going out making family movies, you know, with, you know, all it's love is in the heart type messages like Spielberg was doing. You know, he does that E.T., Jurassic Park, you know, and all, you know, a lot of his movies. I don't know if love is a big concept in Jurassic, Jurassic Park. The whole Alan Grant storyline. I think that's him just... Well, okay, fair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I want an argument! (laughs) But but not all critics hated this movie. (laughs) Uh, Roger Ebert actually gave this a four-star rating, and in his review... And his review in 1983, and then he later added it to his greatest movie list. That's shocking. Yeah, and Ebert wrote, De Palma and his writer Oliver Stone have created a gallery of specific individuals, and one of the fascinations of the movie is that we aren't watching crime movie cliches. We're watching people who are criminals. And that's true. That's what makes this movie so great is, like, now I I can't say, I'm not going to say it's 100% depiction of like drugs and in that country and whatnot but i will say that like if you know everything you think of when you hear drug cartel this movie provides and maybe that's why we think of these things like you know getting 
put into a helicopter and then shot down. Yeah. Or maybe it's the Brendan Fraser movie where he's like the cocaine guy and he gets thrown out of the helicopter <laughs> and blows up or something. But either way, it's like we get these very specific images and I really think Scarface really, I don't know, like maybe, I, I know there was a lot of um, picketing at the premiere of this because of they actually it was during the making of it my bad um where because of how they they um depicted cuban immigrants yeah so that was an issue now you know but the thing is it's like we do know that there are drug lords so like who's to say there aren't people getting thrown out of a helicopter all the time i don't know but um i just thought i really liked that (laughs) I really like that review, though, because it really, like, you know, because think about even Heat, like, and think about every movie that's, like, they all follow the same, like, regimen of, like, even the town, like, there's the big heist, they get away with the very first big heist, and then there's the second heist, which some things happen, and it almost gets them caught, and then there's the very final, big, big, final bet, big, like, this, we're out, kind of thing, but, you know. This doesn't follow that, though, because even though, weirdly, we're rooting for Tony Montana after the weirdest incest moment of my life, um, <laughs> you don't want to see him get killed like that. But yeah. then he does go out and you, you can't blaze of glory. You can't, I, I hated the fact when we were younger, I hated the fact he died, but then I thought about it and I'm like... He, there's no way he could have survived. Like, he wasn't going to turn around and blast uh, the Cuban Terminator that was about ready to kill him. God, the Cuban... Actually, fun fact for you, Steven Spielberg directed the scenes of them, like, breaking into the compound. Oh, really? Yeah, he was on set, and he just directed it. Yeah, so Spielberg's part director in this. Now, the film earned $4.5 from 996 theaters during the opening weekend. Okay. Uh, it ranked as the second highest grossing film of that weekend behind Sudden Impact, um, which debuted the same weekend. It went the on. Dirty Harry movie? Yeah, Dirty Harry movie. Well, that was the... What number would that have been? Uh, I think that was the f- fourth one at well, that point. Because it, was... it was definitely older in that one, I remember. Yeah, because I remember... Like, Deadpool was the The Deadpool was the, 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 Deadpool last was one. the very last one. Dirty yeah. Harry is the first one. Uh, uh, well, what's the second one even, called? Magnum Force is the second Magnum one. Force. Uh, what's the third one? I can't oh, even wait. remember any anyway, of these. Anyway, it's okay. I'll, uh, it just tells me I need to rewatch them. Anyway. I just thought of Jenna Ortega in my head saying, I told you I don't know these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Scream yesterday with her. I don't know why. These movies. That part just made me laugh. If she's the killer, I'm going to be so mad. I just feel like they're going to pull that shit. Do we? <laughs> Um, it went on to earn four forty-four point six million in North America and twenty point four million on other markets for a total of sixty-five point one million. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this figure made Scarface the sixteenth highest-grossing film of nineteen eighty-three and the seventh highest-grossing R-rated film in North America for nineteen eighty-three. So again, it, it didn't do overall. It didn't do awful, but it, those numbers aren't great, especially with like a movie at this status. Especially you have Al Pacino in it, and mm-hmm. roughly how many years out from uh, The Godfather at this point? But then he was doing weird, like, more risky-esque movies, because he did uh, Serpico. Yeah. He did uh, Cruisin'. What's the other one he did? Dog Day Afternoon. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I don't know, maybe I, audiences are weird. Yeah. Especially because in two of those movies, he's gay. 
or well, in one movie he supposedly he I don't. Cruising's a very interesting film. And Cruising's <laughs> pretending to be gay, right? Because yeah, like, he's but he's like getting out. really into the lifestyle, and then like it's almost like he's falling way too into it. And it's like, well, has he always been this way? Has he not? I don't know. That's a good movie though. Yeah. Uh, but the well, yeah, it's William Freakin. <laughs> but, but you have Sudden Impact and Scarface, and the other movies to wrap up the top ten of that weekend were Terms of Endearment. Christine, Yentl, A Christmas Story. Oh, man. The Big Chill, Never Say Never Again. <laughs> this movie, I've never heard of this movie. The Smurfs and the Magical Flute, and All the Right Moves. Which I've heard of All the Right Moves, but I've well, never know, heard you... of the Smurfs and the Magical Flute. The Magic Flute. Well, you know, if you pause it just right, you can see it. <laughs> I heard if you could just... It's true, though. I found out. <laughs> I didn't find out personally, but someone told me, like, I mentioned, like, that line to someone, and they, just how I just said it, they're like, no, yeah, it's true. That's like, it was a normal fucking thing. <laughs> so I just, ever since then, I was like, fuck it. Uh, we're on the hunt for Tom Cruise Jr. <laughs> All that, and he's only 24, folks. <laughs> but, uh... It's really I I really want to know who was the first person who was like I really got to pee I better pause this cassette click wait a second <laughs> that's all oh, no dude, no dude that has a uh, high school or a frat girls whatever on a Friday night <laughs> and they're hitting that pause button did like, you know Tatum's outfit was modeled after Johnny Depp's and I didn't Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I did it. I did not know that. And yeah. I saw a side-by-side photo, and I said, son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, anyway. God, this started to turn into a screen podcast. <laughs> right. Well, it's turned into everything podcast. But, okay. Now Just, we're into... Real quick on six, though, real quick, since we're already on the conversation. I swear to God, if... Uh, what's his name? Dermot McNally or whatever... If by some chance he ends up saying the line, will you get down from here? I'm just going to be through. <laughs> Dermot McRoney. God. I don't like that guy. Like, get... Every time I see it, he has a punchable face. First you, wanna, you said you want to commit, and now, will you get down from here? <laughs> oh, God, Clooney loved that. <laughs> All right. So this section's called 70% Facts, because I don't know how much of these are real. Okay. But after getting a green card in exchange for... Oh, wait. <laughs> Whoops! Copied and pasted that in the wrong section twice. Uh, the film is a major influence behind the the game Grand Theft Auto, particularly Vice game City. Vice City, yep. which we always knew that because it's, it's literally the best game out of the whole series. Three actually had the soundtrack. Three had the soundtrack. Yep. yep. Uh, during the scene when Tony and Elvira are sitting in the Cadillac at the car dealership. Al Pacino just spontaneously put on the hat. Yep. She didn't know it was going to happen, so when she turns around and just starts giggling, that's genuine. And it's nice to know that Al Pacino, like, in Tony Montana mode, is like, how could it be playful? <laughs> pelican fly! Pelican fly! Come on, pelican, come on! You know what? Those aren't pelicans. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, but, yeah, De Palma decided uh, to keep it in the scr- in the movie because it seemed like a gradual warming up to Anthony. We're gonna, I'm going to keep calling him Anthony just we'll to piss off people. Nah. Um, Tony Montana uses yayo as slang for cocaine. Al Pacino yep. learned the word while learning the Cuban accent and ad-libbed it during the chainsaw scene. Brian De Palma liked it enough to keep using it throughout the film. Grab the yayo. So it's weird because we get the Rush Rush Get the Yayo song. So, yeah. like, when was that... 
It had to have been pre or post production. So I I just it doesn't make sense to me. But um Stephen Bauer got his role without even auditioning, which we mentioned earlier. Um, because Alex uh, Gordon, who was the casting director, just saw him and just instantly noted that he was the right role for Judge, uh, Manny. Um, a judgment which both Brian De Palma and Martin Bregman agreed. Uh, when Scarface was released in cinemas and re-released in 2003 for its 20th anniversary, the studio, which I'm so mad we didn't go see in theaters, um, but we didn't really know about that stuff back then. Yeah, I was 12. That was, but, like, that was like us trying to find the Star Wars movies in 97, even. Then. Dude, remember how happy we were to find the special editions yeah. on VHS? Like, why? But anyway. Because we, we just really wanted them on VHS. Because we were like 9 and 6. True. <laughs> uh, it was $20, too. I remember that. Yeah. God. When, uh, but when it was re-released in theaters, the studio wanted De Palma to change the soundtrack so that rap songs inspired by the film could be used. De Palma obviously refused because, one, I think that idea is shit. Oh, yeah. Because, as we noted, Rush Rush Get the Yayo had to have been filmed after the movie, and they were like, get something with Yayo in it, and it means cocaine. Yeah. And then they did a line together, and they wrote Con Air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Montana and the story of Scarface is very 80s-based. The soundtrack is essential to the atmosphere, and even some of the story beats of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh... This isn't The Great Gatsby, which filmed is... How that movie was filmed, it knew it was going to get modern-esque music into this, like, 1920s world. Like, they modernized the 1920s, essentially, with Great Gatsby. Now we're talking about Leo's version, right? Yeah, yeah. So that made sense. That is a classic. That makes sense for that film to have a rap... Uh, yeah. rap album and because it, it was made it fits, it fits so well. But you put... I've heard songs inspired, but... yeah. Just like how the I don't other... think like a lot of the rappers who like are obsessed with this movie are that good. Like especially the rapper who calls himself Scarface. I'm sorry, I'm just not that impressed. Yeah. I'm just not that impressed. Are we talking about the Ghetto Classic uh, special feature that was on the DVD? Where they were saying where Eve. Oh, was that them, what it was called? Yeah. Ghetto Classic. Yeah, they were like that seems Scar- racist. Yeah, they call uh, <laughs> Scarface a Ghetto Classic. I mean, yeah. I mean, if it is, it is. I mean, it's it's a gangster classic. I I will say that. Yeah. Uh, the prop firearms were equipped with electronic synchronizing devices so that they would only fire when the camera shutter was open. The result was that the gun's muzzle flashes are much more visible and consistent than in most films mm-hmm. because of that. Which makes sense. Like that whole like shootout up there. That shoot well, not even just the shootout, but the bar scene or the dance club with the mirrors, which those weren't obviously real glass mirrors because obviously they had to clean up and I think it was uh plastic or something with like painted reflective stuff or something i forget yeah. I, I it's in here i have it written somewhere oh <laughs> i remember those two assassins in the scene that when the guy the, they call him the clown even though he's not a clown he's some guy wearing a fat suit and a mask and uh you can tell like they got the guns out they're ready to shoot and then all of a sudden <laughs> like they put the guns back under the table so there's been a long rumor that cocaine, real cocaine, was used on camera for the cocaine. Yeah. Apparently, it was powdered milk. Even if De Palma had never officially stated it, what the crew used as drug stand-in. Mm-hmm. But, for years after, like, it created uh, pretty much Pacino. It fucked up his nose. 
whatever he stored it. Because in an interview, he said, for years after, I had things up in there. Pacino said in 2015, I don't know what happened to my nose, but it's changed. And I don't know <laughs> what made it. Like, it just feels very dramatic. Like, let me tell you about my nose. I don't know why I'm about to say this. Like, uh... He sneezed, oh. he sneezed and he shot out muffins. I don't fucking know. I can't remember his... Uh, Hannah. What's his first name in... Uh, what's his first name in Heat? Hannah. Oh, Vincent. Vincent, Vincent Hannah. Hannah. I was about to start doing that in the Vincent Hannah. <laughs> Give me all you got! Give me all you got! <laughs> oh, God, I need Help to do Heat soon. I was debating doing Heat this month since it's technically a remake, but yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to give like a very special dedication to Heat. I don't know when, but I love that movie. I've like every time I rewatch it, I'm like, why is no one talking about this movie? It's, a, it's so good. Have you read the uh, sequel yet? No, I need to. I want to. I um, want to so badly. I I just need to buy it or find it on like a because I would probably do better with the audio book to be honest. But I'm excited because it's based before and after yeah. the events and it follows um, Val Kilmer, uh, character. Even okay. Anyway, uh. I already mentioned that Spielberg directed the low angle shot where the attackers first entered the house. That was low angle shot. That was Spielberg. Should have known. That was like an Academy Award winning shot right there. Like, Uh, (laughs) it's the fable that's all over again. (laughs) Um, Tammy Lynn Leppert, who played the blonde girl in the blue bikini during the chainsaw sequence. This is about to get really fucking crazy, but I have to share it. Disappeared on July 6, 1983, under suspicious circumstances, and has never been heard from again. While working on this movie, Leppert had a breakdown on the set while watching a violent scene. After being taken to her trailer, she expressed to a family friend her fears about alleged money laundering and people who supposedly wanted to kill her. Tammy quit the film shortly afterwards. She vanished, again, on July 6, 1983, slightly over five months before the movie was even released to movie theaters. And uh, her disappearance was featured on Unsolved Mysteries, episode 5.1, that was released on September 16th, 1992. Uh, Tammy's mother was interviewed for the segment. She died a few years later, but Tammy's sister is still searching for her. They've never found Tammy. Yeah, I've I've heard about that story the last time I watched it. It was weird because, like, I got to the scene where, like, he's talking to her because I... They don't say she's working with those people, but I think she was. Mm-hmm. Like, even though they, it's kind of like after he goes and saves Tony, and uh, oh no, they don't save that other guy. He dies. Yeah, yeah, he dies. I thought like the other guy, like he has this other little, the guy who tries to get in at the end. I thought he was with them. Oh no, he is with them. He's with Manny. So he comes and saves the day. Also, one thing I thought was funny about it was, um, I think that acts what. One thing I thought was funny about it was you said that the critics walked out of the horrific chainsaw scene. You don't see anything happen at all. It's literally a close-up of him, and you start seeing the blood splatter. But yeah. I guess, like, the they had to go through the MPAA several times. Like, before its release, it had an X rating at one so point. So they probably may have saw that cut. Okay. Well, there's also, like, I guess you could see, like, his arm. Yeah. Just, like, a severed arm hanging from a from a, the handcuffs. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of rough. Um, the international corporation set up by Saddam Hussein to launder money from his various uh, enterprises was called Montana Management after <laughs> the Scarface main character. Um, well, that Mich- 
Michelle Pfeiffer accidentally cut Al Pacino's face during production. Don't know how that happened. Um, Oliver Stone named Tony Montana after his favorite American football player, Joe Montana. So that's probably why Tony Montana is probably like the least Cuban name ever. Which we're going to get into that with the recasting soon. Um, De Palma liked the script so much that he dropped out of directing Flashdance to direct this film. Oh my god! Can you imagine De Palma doing Flashdance? First of all... Jennifer Beale would have been a lot more naked. Guarantee it. Because Palma's a fucking pervert. Let's face it. Have you seen some of his movies, man? Oh, that dude, like, especially like, I cannot forgive him for the ending of this movie. Especially when she's coming in there. You want to fuck me, Tony? Like, why are you, what the fuck are you saying? Like, I'm with Tony there. Like, what the, and now, the thing is, she's like. Sna- she snapped by this point. She though. snapped because yeah. he killed Matt. He didn't have to kill Manny. There's no reason it. to kill Manny. Of yeah. course, this is his drug. This is his downfall because he's way yeah. too deep into it at this point. And the funny thing is, too, he probably would have lived if Manny would have lived, to be honest with you. Oh, Manny. Or he would have been Manny was on, a lot longer. Tony never had shit done to him when Manny was alive. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. as soon as Manny knew that Tony was in trouble with that chainsaw, Manny's in there. Like,. Manny was the shit man. He, did. <laughs> he was the best right-hand man, and he did not deserve that. <laughs> uh, according to AMC's DVD TV Much More Movie airing, uh, Cher loved the film. Lucy uh, Ball? Lucille Ball came with her family and hated it because of the graphic violence and language. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was said to have fallen asleep, so... I want to know his life. I want a book about his life if he's fallen asleep during Scarface. Uh, writer Kurt Vognit Jr. and John uh, Irving were among those who allegedly walked out in disgust after the notorious chainsaw scene. Uh, Blood splatter on somebody's face on a close-up. Yeah. But it, it's just like, a lot of, it, there's a lot of fans of this. I forget, like, the Cher one I really was surprised. Like, Cher, I could just imagine, like, this is the fucking Oscar winning performance. Or however she talks that, like it, I, always watch it. <laughs> again and again. I just always think of every. I, she's a good actress too. Like I've seen her in other things, but like I always think of her and Stuck on You, which she's like, I'm a fucking Oscar winner. <laughs> it's like the weirdest way to say that, and I, I. That's every time I think of her voice, I just think of that. I just think of her slapping that guy in the face, saying, "Snap out!" Snap of out of it! Snap out of it! Oh, uh, she's really good in that. Uh, that Nicolas Cage movie, Moon... Moondance? Moonstruck. Moonstruck, thank Moonstruck. you. Um, this film is dedicated to Ben Hecht and Howard Hawks, the writer and director of the original Scarface that came out in 1932. It's ranked number 10 on America Film Institute's list of 10 greatest films and genre gangster. Uh, Scarface 1932, the version starring Paul Mo- Mooney, was ranked number 6 in June 20, 2008. Uh, the entertainment industry initially hated the film, with Liza Minnelli asking Al Pacino what he had done to leave the insiders subdued at a post-screening meal. Melanie, M- Min- <sighs> Minnelli had not seen the film at that time, though. However, during the meal, <laughs> Eddie Murphy told Pacino that he loved it. <laughs> Hey man, I, don't know I can imagine shit. like Eddie Murphy like <laughs> going back to that chainsaw. Oh hell! <laughs> oh, 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 his reaction oh, oh, oh. in uh, 
What was it uh, in the the Nutty Professor Two when he's in the theater and he's like yelling at Robert or uh, is it Robert Peck? Uh, Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum. But I just share. No one wants to say that. <laughs> I love him. I shouldn't be doing any Murphy. I'm completely doing a Michael Scott right now. I need to stop. <laughs> Cody's not good at stopping me either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> the Spain title of the film, El El Preso del Porto. I think I said that right. If not, I apologize. Literally translate to the Prince of Power. And I kind of like that. That Like, Scarface is a cool title, but the like, Prince of Power. That would have been a great... Uh, First you get the money, then you get the power, then you then get, get the, the women. women. Boom. That's all you got to remember from Scarface. That's how that's success according to Al Pacino. That's all you need to know. One of the best underrated lines of the movie. Always tell the truth. <laughs> Even when I lie. <laughs> Even when he lies. Even when I lie. Uh, both. so high by this point. There are two stars of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul in this, obviously. Steve is one of them. Steve and um, Mark Margolis. Yep. Who gets shot Ding. in the face. <laughs> oh, don't kill a wife and kid. Fuck this. Fuck you. Brains go splatter. It's always fun watching Hector Scalamonga get killed. Yeah. <laughs> Rake number eight and... Uh, Weren't they enemies? No, they were... Uh, they, were they enemies in Breaking Bad? No, that's it. They're family in yeah, Breaking that's Bad. Because right. um, fr- uh, Gus takes the necklace and gives it to him, well, saying, Gus you have no family anymore. All your family is dead. <laughs> fuck Gus Frigg. It took him years to take out the Solomongas. It only took Tony Montana a couple weeks. How good was that dick, man? Like... <laughs> like <laughs> He was like, I'm going to create a chicken empire, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to fucking kill this guy. <laughs> years, man, years. God, no dick's worth that. Wait, are you talking about Fring being gay? Or yeah, that? Gus was clearly gay. I didn't know he was gay. You, he, he, I thought they were like best friends, like a Tony Montana and Manny thing. Oh, sure. <laughs> Let's, oh, slide, let's roll, go on, Robin. Wrap your legs around my bat pole and slide into the bat cave. Why don't we? <laughs> but no, no, there's that scene in uh, Better Call on, Saul where he's at the bar and Hold the on. man comes up and flirt. They flirt with each other. Hold on, there's uh, it's 2023, so we got to put a disclaimer on it. There's no homophobic uh, jokes toward the LG whatever and all that. So oh no, I'm just saying no okay. dick's worth that. Okay, I was, <laughs> I'm just, I was just being saying, honest. Like, I'm just saying, you know, you just got to cover your steps. No ass that. is worth that. No dick is worth that. That's just how I live, man. <laughs> There, there we go. No asses. I'm just saying, like, there's a. I didn't know he was gay though. That's it's a forty a, year, forty year revenge plot because he killed him. Like, I didn't know they were gay. I thought they were just best friends or something. Come on, man. Forty. I years. honestly did not. See I'm saying that. forty years. I think it was more like twenty, but still, that was like such a like. Okay, maybe they were best friends, but Gus is clearly men- like it's. I think it's canon. Like with that bar scene, it's canon. God, how wound up tight was that guy? To like, what was just like. Yes, I know. Well, I wish I knew Spanish because I would. That scene, like, we're we're gonna get out Breaking Bad because I'm gonna talk about Breaking Bad way too long. I love that show so much. I'm. I wish I could go to Horrorhound because I'd love to meet Gus, but come. I can't. I got. I can't afford it. But anyway, that's not the point. Speaking of buddy, Oliver Stone was paid three hundred thousand to write the screenplay God, at the that's time. A lot of cocaine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that's when Natural Born Killers was written. Uh, at this time, this made him the highest paid screenwriter ever. Until uh, what's his face for Scream? 
Um, Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams, yeah. yeah. Uh, in the bathtub scene, after Manny and Elvira leave, Tony says, Fly away, Pelican! And as I stated, those aren't Pelicans, those are Flamingos. <laughs> Which I, this is going to sound stupid, but my knowledge of Flamingos is, I, I, they eat shrimp, and their legs move funny. Um, but yeah, this film is included on Roger Ebert's greatest movies list, I already mentioned that. Um... More than 35 years after the film's release, posters and images from this film are still for sale at U.S. retailers. Which any, like, college guy, like, again, the Tarantino guy, I guarantee that's in his <laughs> dorm room. Nikki, the t freaky Tarantino student. <laughs> What's that? Is that that, uh... Scream 2. Oh, no, I, I was thinking of, there's a really bad blockbuster show that just came out, and there's a guy who... Like, it's bad that Blockbuster's closing because, like, oh, if I want to be the next Tarantino, I gotta work at a video store. And I'm just like, it's not just the video store. Like, yeah. it's how he wants. Tarantino doesn't watch movies like I watch movies. And yeah. I accept that. But you know what? <laughs> I guarantee me and him could have an insightful conversation. Growing up, Tarantino had no friends. He just went out with his mom to the movies. He was a he He, 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 he mentions he was, a, he was a loner. He was he calls himself a loser, a nerd oh, a lot. But, anything yeah. but a loser, I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, just really great stuff. Uh, the pro wrestler Eddie Guerrero had a t-shirt that was modeled on the poster. On the front, it said Latino Heat. Yep, Guerrero's nickname. And on the back, it said Addicted to the Heat. I remember he had that shirt on when we saw them at Honda Fest. Yep. I remember that. Yep. That was a cool shirt. That I wanted long, that shirt. That wasn't long before he passed away, too. No, that we got we got luck. And that was Batista. <laughs> we saw a Batista. Like, oh. that's wild to me now. Yep, we saw Drax the Destroyer. Yeah. Everything that Frank... This is a... I, I didn't realize this, but I paid attention. Everything that Frank tells Tony about Sosa turns out to be true. Exactly. Everything. Yes. And he... Yeah. Uh, Alberto the Shadow only speaks in Spanish while understanding English, in contrast to Tony, who only speaks English yet understands Spanish. Um, and this is the second movie in which Al Pacino plays a criminal character that kills a corrupt cop. Both times the officers, the officer was involved with drug trafficking. The first movie was The Godfather. Obviously, I think yep. he's. Well, no, 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 because we're talking about a cop who's a first of a drug. I was about to say uh, De Niro. What's his character's name in Heat now? Mick? Uh, Haley? No, it's uh, uh, Macaulay. Macaulay. Neil Macaulay. Macaulay. Neil Macaulay. I knew the first name. I couldn't. But uh, Macaulay wasn't a drug trafficker. He's just a bank robber. So I guess that doesn't count. Um, but yeah, we're going to actually take a break. And when we get back, we're going to the recasting and into another world. The recasting. According to my digging in multiple sites, there was only one name for Tony Montana besides Al Pacino. Because Al Pacino was very big on the making of this movie. So he put a lot of different aspects into Tony Montana. But the only other actor up for this role, Robert De Niro. I can see the intimidation from De Niro. Uh, Tony Montana would be a lot more intimidating, but I think it would be more of a Al, um, Al Capone more fig like figure than it would be Tony Montana, you know what I mean? Which I, I guess that goes right back to the source anyway, because the the original was based on Al Capone. Exactly. So but, I, but I wouldn't mind that. But if De Niro did do this film, like let's say he was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, here's the roles he did around 1983 because he did nothing in 1983. There's zero movies released that he started in 1983. 1982, he did The King of Comedy. 
1984, he was he has Once Upon a Time in America. He plays Noodles and Falling in Love, which we can get rid of that movie and we could easily well, now Once Upon a Time in America had a huge crazy it's a long ass movie. I think like the original cut of it's like five hours or something like that. Something yeah. stupid. Sergio Loren. What are you gonna do? Uh, but I think if we get rid of Falling in Love, he could have been Scarface. Now, yeah. obviously we got that recasting. Now there's other <laughs> recasting. Like I find it weird that there wasn't like more people trying out for Tony Montana or like rumors, but. Elvira is a different story, but we'll get into that in the la one of the last sections. But let's get into what the new movie would be if Robert De Niro was uh, Tony Montana. Okay. Robert De Niro being casted, I think this movie goes back from a Cuban, Cuban immigrant to maybe Italian. Uh, Tony Montana never sounded Cuban to me, as I've stated. Like, that's why I kept calling him Anthony Montana. Because, like, let's yeah. be honest, like, Tony Montana. My name, my name is Tony Montana. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what you call your everything? Friend. Everything needs to be a little bit Princess Bride. I don't care what it is. You also Canadian tourist. <laughs> Once you get the money, then you get the power. Then see, you kill my father. So that, was, <laughs> so that was always the problem with Al taking on roles like that because he also did it in Carlito's way, and he he's Italian. You know what I mean? He's, he's very Italian. Like you look at, I don't look at Al Pacino and see a Cuban. Yeah, like there are Cuban actors who look they, they Cuban. If you're gonna cast someone who's not Cuban in that role, you go for someone uh, if possibly from Spain. Yeah, I think Mexico or Spain would be the only other race which which they have Mexican actors also casted as Cubans. Mm -hmm. But Al Pacino and Al Pacino has this like I'm, I'm just gonna say it. Robert De Niro is a better actor than Al Pacino. Yeah, hold on. I think Robert De Niro can act circles around any actor, dead or alive. Like, there's something about oh, Robert definitely. De Niro who, like, you go into Taxi Driver, you see Travis Bickle. Yep. Then you pop in, meet the parents, and you meet... Uh, Jack Burns. Jack Burns, yeah. God, I'm bad with names. Um, and then you, you meet Macaulay. Like... Three completely different and uh, Jack Lamont, Jack Lamont, Jack Lamotta, Lamotta, yeah. But he has a way, King of Comedy, or Jake Lamotta, Jake Lamotta, yeah. Uh, he has a way, or um, Rupert Pumpkin, even like I think you keep a... naming these people, then like Carlito's way, you could say Scarface, you could say, yeah, you could say Serpico, like because. Even though, like, some of these are cops, some of these are gangsters, I feel like Al Pacino has this very stagnant... I don't want to say he's a bad actor, because yeah. he's Michael Corleone. Like, those are some of the greatest movies ever made, and he's phenomenal in those movies. But there's, like, a point, and I'm, I, I've always tried to determine it, and I really think it's around Sin of a Woman, where he becomes a self-parody of himself. Yeah. That's when the yelling begins. Like, the the Pacino everyone knows, kind of Pacino. Jack and kind Jill. Of, Jack and... Uh, uh. Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill, yeah. But anyway... <laughs> Al, did you hop the fence? <laughs> God. God, that was some attraction. <laughs> but it's just... Um, but, um... I don't know. Like, I just feel like if De Niro's in this, we take it back to the Italian roots. But there's also something I didn't add into, like, the 70% facts. Yeah. But the original writer before Oliver Stone, like, I have this weird... 
it's sort of like my relationship with M. Night Shyamalan. I think he's talented. I think he's done good movies, but I just don't think he's at that level of like the the kind of nuance they have behind their name. It's so and weird. I feel like Oliver Stone's that kind of because like I've watched Born on Fourth of July. Yeah. Maybe kind of sucks. That may be boring, and it's like Oscar nominated for Cruise and stuff like that. Because I'll watch anything. It was Top an Cruise. Oscar bait movie. It's an Oscar movie. bait movie, but I like JFK. JFK is. Good. I love JFK. Did he do uh, Three Days After the Kevin Costner movie? The next three days? No, he didn't do that. No, no, that's a good movie. I remember watching that in class. Going back to De Niro real quick, though, too. Um, I got to give an honorable mention about that. I think Rupert is actually his scary performance, scariest horror. Rupert's scary performance. because he lives in such a non-reality. This guy, world. Yeah, this guy is so out of touch. Like the first his time, his basement the... is terrifying alone. Like that crowd with like the seating and everything, where he's acting like he's being interviewed. Like it's creepy. The first time I ever saw the movie, I thought it was goofy, and then like I was, I watched it again right before Joker came out, and I'm like, this guy is really out of touch, man. Like it, King of Comedy is vastly underrated. Yeah. It's such a good movie, and um, I got a, I got kind of insulted by that too. By the way, at my first Whorehound, because I have this game where I could connect any movie to Halloween like really quickly, <laughs> and I did it. To, I did it with Sasha Jensen, um, the game. And uh, the movie he picked was Kings of Comedy, and I, and you I, froze, didn't you? No, I didn't. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't freeze, but I seen the movie once at that time, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I get. It. And then, like, as years go by, I realized Sasha Jensen was kind of insulting me a little bit because he was like, kind of telling me, okay, I'm like Rupert, you know, like if you've got that much time, free time to connect. I, I took that as an insult pretty much, but I mean, it's whatever. People Life are, on. It, it's weird. Like I actually, it's called seven degrees of separation. I think Yeah. a lot of people like to do seven degrees separation from Kevin Bacon. I yeah. think that's like the one game a lot of people play and I get, cause Brian, the movie guy, I get asked that crap all the time at work and I'll yeah. say, give me a few minutes and I'll figure it out. That's all I say because I can't do it on the spot. But you give me like a minute to like because it all it, it you almost want to work from Halloween first. Yeah. Because but well, we're not going to get we're we're not about this but, right. <laughs> but the funny thing is though is you can connect that with the three key people you can connect that with is Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, or PJ Souls. That's it. Uh, maybe John Carpenter, but I usually do the actors because it's a lot easier that way. But um, I mean, so it was the king of comedy. Yeah, he told me to do King of... Which, like well, I you said, got Robert De Niro in there, and Robert De Niro was in Beat the Parents with Ben Stiller, and Ben Stiller was in... Uh, gotta think here. Night at the Museum with Robin Williams. Robin Williams was in uh, Awakenings with Robert De Niro, and Robert De Niro was with... Uh, Fuck, I stopped there. But anyway, let's get back into this movie. Uh, but as I was saying, Oliver Stone, one of those names that are always synopsis with things. But I thought there was a better writer that was already attached to this. That was going to, he was going to write it to be more ba more based off the film, the original film. Mm -hmm. Now, and that was Sidney Lament. Sidney Lumet's probably like one of the greatest screenwriters of all time. You got Twelve Angry Men, like a movie that's all now granted that was already a play first, but like the way he adapted it. The way he adapted it. And then you get the verdict, which is fantastic. Like, which I every time I think of Twelve Angry Men, I think because it feels like a bookend. 
Because even though, what else, what other films has he done? What was the one with Tom Cruise that he did? Wait, did he do one with Tom Cruise? I need to look up his thing. I'm confusing him with uh, Rob Reiner right now. Sunny Lamert. But, um, yeah, because I'm thinking 12 Angry Men, but I know that's wrong. Oh, he didn't network. That's what I... Dog Day Afternoon with Pacino. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's done all these great movies. He did The Verdict. Uh, oh, The Original Murder on the Orient Express. Hmm. So, like, he he's this great writer. He's this great, uh, this great director, great writer, known for, like, vastly different films. Like, uh, 12 Angry Men is not like Dog Day Afternoon, and Dog Day Afternoon is not like Serpico. Mm-hmm. And The Verdict, even though it's courtroom-based, um, 12 Angry Men, you know... Uh, you know, he, he goes into these same genres, but he can make them different. And I feel like if he wrote this and he wrote it in the sense of, cause one of the things, the reason why they went with Oliver Stone was he thought of like cocaine as being the same t- that time period as beer was during the prohibition. Mm. So I think if you just gave that idea to Sidney Lumet, he would have ran with it because this is Okay. This is what I wrote out a little bit, because usually I go really long and try to think of every little single aspect that I can of what changes in the movie. But I think cocaine and keeping this in the 80s could still play out. Just having uh, De Niro's Tony, instead of being an immigrant from Cuba, we, you know, he's an Italian, uh, maybe as a gangster of some sort of either crime family or just a gang of some sort. And you have to have it where his gang or whatever is trying to get into the cocaine business. Sort of like how Jax is in Sons of Anarchy. Like, yeah. you just do that where, like, okay, what are we... Because, like, maybe, you know, running guns isn't, like... Oh, my God, this is Sons of Anarchy. But this is all gangster. This is, like, mob shit that you always see play out. But, like, you could easily have that to where, like, De Niro's guy goes down to Florida and, like, he f- figures out, like, he starts seeing, like, this cocaine business start running. And then, like, he's like, okay, I want us to get in here. And then, like, that could also cause problems with, like, his family, like, the crime family he's part of, and then, like, the cocaine side. Because you could still have Sosa and all that, because obviously Tony would have to be introduced into this world, but I think it would have been interesting to, like, when I see Al Pacino, like, I don't think of a very intimidating guy, to be he's honest. Very, he's now, he, what? He's, he's short. short. Yeah, he's very short, <laughs> especially next to Manny. And so, I feel like if you saw Robert De Niro's. Tony Montana and like oh, they could dress one. like very 80s ish they could still have like whatever 80s clothes they have but like there's one scene that actually proves that point really well and thank god for low angles it's a scene where they're walking out of Montana management and it's him and his little entourage and he's like the shortest person and, and he's in the center and everybody's like with the cigar yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> but uh just think of, like, any any of those scenes where, like, Tony's being aggressive. Uh-huh. Think of a Robert De Niro scene where he's being aggressive, and then, like, think of that scene. And it's it's almost better. Because when... I think De Niro could play the hothead really well, but I feel like... He, he's good at building tension. Yeah, like, I, but, like, you can... He always has, like, the anger building up in his face before he does something. He gets yeah. that, like, kind of, like... 
that that chin thing where he starts like smirking almost, and I could see him doing that. Actually, no. You know, one of the most uncomfortable <coughs> scenes I've ever watched is is the scene, and it's actually a two parter scene. It's where he's on the phone, but we don't really know if he's on the phone with Betsy and taxi driver, and then the confrontation. You know, it looks like he hasn't slept in days and everything like that. That is. And then Sybil's uh, just performance on that part too. That is that scene is so intense. And, you know, he's not doing the classic. You know, yeah. These but shoes, these but shoes, you know. there's like this thing, and I don't know if I believe it, but I was listening to this other like reviewer about Taxi Driver, and they were talking about how they think like Travis wasn't really a uh, a soldier, and like how he doesn't seem like a guy who could fight or anything. And I was just like, did you not watch that ending? Like, even though it's clearly not a planned attack because he originally was going to assassinate Valentine? Valentine? Uh, Palantine. Palantine. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. And... For the Secret Service. (laughs) Just, uh... Just, you know, what do you guys do? You know? But, uh... um, He goes there because I think, like, at that point, he just, like, kind of realizes, like, the kind of shit he's in. But I feel like... Because the whole movie is him penting up this rage to go do what he's doing. Yeah. And I think he has this almost crisis of identity. Or not crisis. Uh, crisis of... Um, he it pretty much gets enlightened to... Um, to go and save Iris. And the way he takes those guys out, like, that doesn't come off to me as a guy who doesn't have some sort of combat experience. Yeah. Because the way he's okay with the guns and like he's getting fought, shot at with guns he's getting shot with guns he doesn't react especially the part where he gets he that. gets it shot in the neck and he's bleeding real bad which is a good contrast to mean streets <laughs> too because of mean streets oh it, it's so it's totally the opposite he's freaking out he's hanging halfway out of the car and everything trying think about to get him out. in mean streets like how different of it like he that is not good fellas like his character in mean streets is not um one thing that has always bothered me about that did he die at the end of mean streets I, I I don't know. I don't think he did because they seem like it was more of a graze because he still, like, gets out of there. He runs yeah. out of there. So I don't think he's dead. The last time we see Johnny Boy, he's, like, sitting on a curb. Like, he, you know, he's just, you know. I think I think that's Johnny Boy just kind of realizing, like, he needs to change his life or he's going to die. He's he's the best I character th- of the movie. Yeah. Him, him and Harvey, hands down. But, yeah. Um, but it, but just like he's so much more physically intimidating, I think he could build tension really well. Mm-hmm. Um, we know like he plays Al Capone with De Palma like six years later. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, Untouchables. yeah, Untouchable. So we know like they can work together and like think about that scene like where it's where Kevin Costner feels the need to like come and like try to try to intimidate him at his own hotel and he's like just coming down the stairs like listen to here you little shit and i'm just like you put that anger and like amplify it with cocaine and tony montana and like yeah. that's 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 the closest we'll ever get to seeing that but the thing is you keep it r-rated you gotta keep it r-rated you gotta keep that violence but like i just feel like pacino gives such a very distinct and distinct performance like you his tony montana is very distinctive like everybody does the voice and like every person i've told that i'm recording this episode i hear say hello to my little friend oh i hate that i hate it but it's like okay that's what people know of it it's it's i forget what number that is on most like 
famous lines. I didn't. I felt. I didn't even feel like. Well, looking do, you, do you remember back in two thousand and three and four? Like how many times that line popped up on sitcoms? Like, uh, oh it, my god! There's uh, well, interesting you say that by the way, because that part ends up on uh, meet the meet the Fockers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then all uh, what could have been. <laughs> but then um the last movie I saw that being done in was um Kickass when the when the big security guard guy has the bazooka and he, yeah. and I'm just like why Wesley Snipes says it in Demolition Man. Yeah, like it, it was oh god, I get it. I get it. It's an iconic line and an iconic moment. I get it. But let's calm it down. <laughs> I, uh, going back to some of the movies we just talked about, like Taxi Driver and this, obviously, that's, you know, I could obviously, like, I hate to do this because every podcast I feel like I plug this, but, um, in The Havoc, I did little things for, like, Taxi Driver and I did for Scarface, like, the, they're a bat that she's using to break out of the, I didn't have her say, say hello to my little friend, but, uh, there's a part where she goes, we'll have our little friend on hand, and it was a baseball bat that had, say hello to my little friend written on it, um, that was just a bat I had growing up, and also, um, you know, uh, Travis Breckle and Travis Adams, I named him after him. And if you have, if you've watched the Havoc, there's a part where they're talking about a janitor that was off for the evening. His name was Henry Crinkle. So a little spring. So, you know, going back to the influence these movies have real quick, I'm sorry I went off course with that, but it's just something that, you know, how these movies have, you know, kind of narrowed me even in the world of horror and everything. So, yeah, I could feel Kevin Smith saying to me now, Jason, I was making sure you're all right. It's been ten minutes and you haven't plugged the havoc yet. Um, <laughs> but I, I really think early '80s De Niro would peak, would be peak De Niro acting. Yeah, I think it would honestly. I think bringing him in because of the kind of actor he is, he's very involved in what he does. He wants to know his character inside and out. Like you will hear stories from. Um, Jodie Foster talking about him and uh, how he wanted to rehearse things. He's like, I want to ask you about this. And like, he would talk to her like she was 30. Like, he did not that. And that's the professionalism of him is like, he doesn't like this. This is an art to him. And I feel like he always goes into a role with that in mind. And I think bringing him in, he would have been. I think he would have talked to De Palma some. I think he would have been like, look, what if my character did this? Because he added stuff to. Macaulay, he's added stuff to, um, oh my god, what's his name? Goodfellas. Um, Jimmy, 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 uh, uh, Jimmy Conway. Jimmy, I kept wanting to say Callaway and I knew that was wrong. Jimmy Conway. Jimmy, Jimmy Conway, like, he did a lot of stuff Jimmy Conway would do, he, like, cause he found out that information, but then there was just like, I feel like there's little touches that he adds, like, um, he used his own money, got a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars of his own money out because he's like this money doesn't feel right this fake money doesn't feel right i don't my i wouldn't hold this money because that's how like much he puts himself in this character so thinking about him as tony montana and like this guy who's rising to power just to bring himself down in the end is just uh i don't know i i gotta say by the way too real quick uh, since we're on the subject of de niro god bless the irishman because i felt like that brought de niro back because it feels like these roles he takes now these days are just they're like you said about pacino becoming kind of a parody of himself it feels like after meet the parents that's all he has become by this point up until the irishman again you know what i mean like i would agree but then there's silver linings playbook 
and well, I think that's really good. And then he does this. Uh, he did this other film, but like he did, he has dived way more into comedy than yeah. ever before. And he did I, this one called The Intern. I, it was either The Intern or The No. It's called The Intern. Yeah. And I thought he did really well in that. He's a very mild mannered man. Oh yeah. And it was really interesting to see him just be almost normal, like just a normal older man who's just kind of in this new chapter of his life. Yeah, because uh, his, the woman he's interning isn't that Anne Hathaway. Yeah, that's that's the woman he's like driving around and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I mean that's possibly what they like. Obviously, they would have to be, and I think it when you are taught, you already have the cast who are mostly Italian. Yeah, I'm sure they could have found something for Manny's character. Like maybe he could have a Cuban fan, friend, and his name is Manny. There we go. We can yeah. keep him in there. Um, but. As much as De Niro, we've talked about De Niro, we have to talk about Elvira now. Because okay. played by Michelle Pfeiffer, who does a legendary job, but she wasn't known at this time. She's as a studio. goddess, though, man. She yeah. always has been. <laughs> so, Al Pacino wanted Glenn Close to play Elvira, but the producers Why? didn't think she was sexy enough. They worked together. Hey, hey, hey. she is a very handsome woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Glenn Close was the original choice for the role of Ira, while other actresses who auditioned and were considered or were offered the role, Courtney Cox, Gina Davis, Carrie Fisher, Cameron Manahan, Kelly McGillis, Lorraine Newman, Sharon Stone, and Cella Ward auditioned. Lorraine Newman of Saturday Night Live? Maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> but they didn't get it, obviously. Roseanne, that, that was interesting. And Rosanna Arquette, Kim Basinger, Jodie Foster, Melanie Griffith, Sylvia Crystal, Jennifer Jason Lee, Kathleen Turner, Deborah Ragnar, all turned on the role, supposedly. And Isabel uh, Ajani, Karen Allen, Sandra Bernhard, Jamie Lee Curtis, Dana Delaney, Jessica Lang, Kay Lenz. Annie Potts and Scorny Weaver, or Weaver were also considered. Brooke Shields was also offered the role, but her Shields. mother, Terry Shields, forced her to turn it down in favor of Sahara. She would have been too young. Yep. Well, her half whole these, story. Half these, half these actresses listed would have been too young. No, I did highlight a few that would have been more age-appropriate, because they wouldn't have been too young, because the thing with Elvira... Her character is essentially going for the most powerful guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's and she's also addicted to cocaine. So she wants she wants a coke lord. Like it's clear. Like I can imagine mid twenties, you know, obviously because that was what Michelle was at the time. But I, I don't know. Some of these actresses that they've listed were like at maybe were at twenty years old at the time. Maybe. I don't know. Out of these names, though, I, I underlined a few that I thought would be interesting. First one was Carrie Fisher, because she would have just been done with Return of the Jedi at the time. Yeah. Uh, Kim she Basinger. She would have been great. Wow. Return of the Jedi is 40 this year. Crazy. Kim Basinger, Melanie Griffith, Jessica mm. Lang, and mm. Jamie Lee Curtis. Because the thing is, Elvira has to be an attractive woman. She has to be, like... A man's fantasy, almost, because that, like, when Tony sees her, he he pretty much falls in love with her instantly, and I think. But the thing is, it's like you gotta be beautiful with like there's something might be not right, yeah. and I think those five actresses could nail it. I think Jamie Lee Curtis would, 
I'm I'm stuck between Melanie Griffith and Jamie Lee Curtis for the role. I don't think I don't I f- I just feel like Melanie Griffith needed a really riskier part in her career because I feel like she I don't know I feel like I don't remember her career that well. Cheryl Lynn would have been great. Uh, Jessica Lange I think could sell it really well. Yeah. Uh, Kim Basinger w- just has the right look, but I don't oh, yeah. think Kim Basinger is that great of an actress. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, those a, are like she the, has a southern accent in almost everything she does. But we're not done with the Elvira things. <laughs> Universal's parent company, MCA, favored big name stars like Jane Fonda, Goldie Hawn, and Barbara Streisand for Goldie the role. Hawn. Of, Goldie Hawn would've been great. <laughs> but <laughs> Lucy Aranez, Susan Blakely, St- Stalker Channing, Beverly D'Angelo, Mary Lou Henner, Margot Kidder. Jennifer Jason, uh, Jennifer O'Neill, Priscilla Presley, Teresa Russell, Raquel Welch, and Joe Belth Williams were also considered, but Pfeiffer was cast after her first meeting with De Palma. But there are what twenty five? A- I don't even know how many actresses. This penis was never the same again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but out of those names, I only I only highlighted Beverly D'Angelo and Raquel Welch. Did you say uh, Susan Blankley? Uh, yep. Oh, okay. Blakely. Blakely. Blankley. I thought you were Blake. talking about the girl from Jaws. No, 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 no. Um, but Raquel Welch, Priscilla Presley, and Beverly D'Angelo are the only three. I feel like Priscilla Presley just she she's known for the Naked Guns, but maybe if she had a no. serious role, I don't know. No. But I just I don't see it. Beverly D'Angelo, though. Be- <laughs> now, the thing, the issue with Beverly D'Angelo is that um, she she's also known for comedy at the time, mm-hmm. but and also she was with Pacino, I think, around this time, right? They got mm-hmm. married and stuff, so that would have been problematic, probably. Raquel Welch, I just no, they've never been married. They were never married. They I were, thought they were. Al Pacino's never been married. Oh, well. I don't think so. We do have one casting what if for someone else. That was reportedly that John Travolta met with Al Pacino in New York in 1981. Yes. About appearing in this movie. (laughs) He was also, he was considered for the role of Manny. Can you imagine John Travolta? No, I... Oh, hands down, he would have been great. John Travolta as Manny, a Cuban? John Travolta as a Cuban? Oh, okay, do me a favor. Picture the tongue scene with with John Travolta. It drives the women crazy. God, no. Bitch. That. Lesbian. God. You know, if I no. wasn't a nice guy... I would... Hold on a second here. Um, Al Pacino lobbied for his close friend James Hayden, which they did cruising together, but yeah, his scene was related. Um, to get the role of Manny, but he never got the audition. Hader later got a supporting role in another gangster movie, Once Upon a Time in America. Um, but uh, he died age 29 before the film was even released, so that's sad. Um, Edward James almost turned out a role, which I wish he could have been Lopez. You know how much better of a role job Edward James almost would have done in the Lopez role? Um... Oh, man, I put some fun facts down here. Uh, actually, oh, this is fun. Sidney Lumet wasn't only attached to, to write, he was attached to direct the film. 
So now we're not dealing with a Brian De Palma directed film. We're dealing with a Sidney Lumet film. Okay. The violence gets turned out a lot. Oh yeah. His, none of his films are that violent, but uh, a lot of. So I think De Palma was probably the best. I think De Palma was probably the best fit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I accidentally put this in the wrong se- section. But fuck is used in its variations. Uh, 226 times in this movie. What the fuck? How the fuck? <laughs> fuck this? What the, the whole bit? Fuck! <laughs> Silly. It surely illustrates the diversity of the word. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Like, that's it. That's all I have on this. But, uh, hmm. yeah. But that's a world I'll show you. I always show Cody the tape before, but I'll show you the tape I came up with now. Okay. It looks it looks kind of silly because I based it off the like Blu-ray case, but like that's what I got. Robert De Niro and Scarface. Why does he look like a waiter? He does look like a waiter. He right? looks like a very snooty waiter. Now I made another one that was just him. Is it the bl- classic black and white one? No, no, no. That, see, I just I couldn't get it right. I don't know. I just the exposure wasn't right or something. I don't know. I just couldn't get what I was trying to look because I, I had to have a reference to like how his face would be shadowed. Do you remember when and, we do you remember when we were kids by the way? And this and is the like, second one I have where it's just him in front of That's a good one. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. Tony Montana. Do you remember when we were kids by the way when uh, we were getting into films and we also got into Kubrick and like we would get these VHSs but they would have a uh, an opening where um, they showcased other movies from the studio. That opening uh, theme from Scarface, for some weird reason, associates that with my head. I don't know why. Like, because I, I can. Do think they that. play it during that? No, no. It, I was but, about to say, like, I don't remember them playing that theme song. That, and I can think of like Alex Alex DeLarge just doing that classic opening where he's just sitting there, like, where he's staring at the milk bar. Yeah, yeah, like but yeah. We dived into Universe 75938, whatever, and we looked at a world where Robert De Niro was Italian gangster Anthony Montana, a.k.a. Tony Montana, and uh, I love the one we have, obviously, um, but I do, there's always going to be that question of, what if it was better, though? (laughs) Like, what if De Niro just, like, takes this up a notch? Like, I, I... I feel like his influence probably because he was still very big actor like Pacino was still a big actor, obviously. But like I feel like De Niro was keeping his star power a little better because was it the deer hunter around this time, too? It was 78. Um, So, okay, so. uh, So pretty much. Raging Bull was in 1980. uh, Yeah. 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 So that was another best picture. So like. I don't know. Maybe he could have filmed this, and I don't know. I just feel like the Italian, like having Italian. If you're going to cast Italians, just make them Italian. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was because of the Cuba, not the Cuba crisis, but like um, there was something going on with Cuba during that time, and they just wanted to, you know. Well, they it was Oliver Stone's talking about the I sound like, like cocaine such an idiot right there because it's like wow, this kid didn't pay attention in history. <laughs> No, I knew, there was, it was just, I knew there was some kind of refugee thing going on in the 80s, and they wanted to cast And then you have them. Castro and stuff like that yeah. during that time. Uh, it's not the Cold War, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Whatever, Whatever's in Stranger Things for those younger listeners, that's what we're referencing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we have dived into the world, and in the world of remakes, Real quick. I do think this remake does 
I think it's better than the original. I think I thought it was kind of weird that the original was ranked higher in gangster yeah. films because I've I used to own the original and I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, people are weird about old Hollywood though. They think like just because it was first that it was the best. But and sometimes that's true. Sometimes yeah. that's true. I'm not going to say it isn't. But other times it's like. Some things just don't age well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's there comes along a director who is a fan of this to say, maybe I can make it better, and they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, real quick, do you speaking of, of remakes, do you think this movie should be remade again? Because Hollywood has rumored that for the longest time. I, I was going to have a segment in this episode about it, but I found so much shit. Yeah. So many. I heard Michael one, B. Jordan, the guy from um, I heard at one point from Andor. Curtis, I heard Curtis Jackson. Curtis Jackson was at shit. one point uh, that I think one of the rappers that were really inspired by Scarface was rumored like he bought the rights, and then Antoine Fuqua was rumored, and that there's the just it, so yeah. many. Uh, they, they were going to change Tony to. Um, which I don't mind if they would change the character. Well, no, I, I don't mind. Would, no, know. no, that's not the problem. But like, there's there's so much like they they're gonna do this, they're gonna do that, and it's like I don't think it's gonna happen because yeah. I think this is one of those rare movies that like, for one, the the subject matter of cocaine alone, and the fact that it's uh, based in the eighties because like yeah. I get if you bring that modern day, what is it, fentanyl? Yeah, it's not. It, it's it's. There's something about seeing Tony Montana sniff an entire mountain of cocaine that just satisfies you. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't want to see Tony Montana, uh, you know, tweaking outside of a Harbor Freight. So. Yeah, exactly. And just like, yeah. I, I, I'm seen, not saying like, because that's there's obviously an OD problem in our in our country right now. I think but we, I don't think we need to go that route with Scarface. Scarface should be very. It should be decade based. I, it would be. It would definitely be heroin. Um, if you do it today, I guarantee they it, would do it. See, I feel like there's an. I don't know. I just because it's all about drug trafficking, so you yeah. have to be careful. You well, have to be careful of like. Well, well we're gonna have it about. I, I don't even want to say a race of people because like it just yeah. sounds like a stereotype. Like, oh, these people, of course, would. It's no, but it's no. like. The Cuban thing made sense because that's where a lot of cocaine distribution was supposedly coming from, was Cuba. In the 30s, the original, it was about alcohol. and this one, it was cocaine. And then, so it's going to be... It would have to be heroin or something. It would have to be so... You can't do it about weed. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do yeah, it unless, about... <laughs> unless, it was, unless it was a spoof, like Tony Montana getting to shoot out over bricks of weed. <laughs> Elvira, do you want to stay in and watch some... Uh... Let's watch on Pelican Fly. <laughs> See, that would make sense. If, if, <laughs> if he if, said Pelican Fly and he's watching Flamingos, like, dude's just stoned. <laughs> if, it, if it was a spoof, I would totally get it. Um, it has to start Seth Rogen. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, no, no, let's get Snoop in that. <laughs> let's get Snoop. Snoop. <laughs> All right, on that note, I think it's time to call it a night. It's getting right. late. I uh, guess on my final note, by the way, uh, just to blow your mind there, Brian. Uh, Robert De Niro, Boy's Life with Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio was in Inception with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in Halloween Age. There you go. I knew you'd get there. (laughs) (laughs) Is in Halloween. (laughs) You could have literally done. Oh wait, no, he's never been in another movie with Leo, has he? Who, Joseph? No, I'm thinking of Robert. I was gonna say they've both been on Roseanne. I know that they're gonna do. 
Killers in the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon, the next Scorsese yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. But I think that's the only other time they've acted together, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. All right. Thank you for joining in next week. I don't know. I'm I'm bouncing. I have a few pre-made VHS tapes, and I'm thinking it's going to be Total Recall because I love the original Total Recall, and I hate the remake. Again, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week with uh, Total Recall and or Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, let me know in comments, messages, whatever what you would like to hear. Uh, thank you to Jason for coming onto the show, and we will catch you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.